Let's open it up to the book of Psalm 42. Psalm 42. Worship. Last service, I kind of feel like the Lord leading me in another direction, so we may end that way. Will you join me as we pray? God, thank you for an opportunity for us to hear what you have to say. It's so important that we get this message of worship. God, it's so important that we understand that all eternity is going to be an opportunity for us to to, to give you glory and honor. We need you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's a part of me that I remember reading about that in the Bible and seeing that there'd be this picture of heaven in the book of Revelation or in the Old Testament, Daniel. There'd be like these pictures of what heaven's going to look like, and there's always fraught with just worship. And I remember thinking like, there's got to be more to heaven than just that. I mean, like, can I tell you this? There is going to be lots to heaven. The problem with that statement is that we probably don't fully understand worship, not the fact that we want God to see it our way. There's something about this worship thing that allows us to, to, to get out of the way. I think if there's one thing I want to point out this morning and in this worship series is that the reason we have a difficult time with music selection, volume, uh, service time, whatever it is, oftentimes it's because we're in the way instead of allowing God to be the one who's the biggest issue. I love one of the, one of the gals, it was Skylar in the video we saw, who said this phrase, through dance my heart sings louder than my voice can ever carry. Through dance my heart sings louder than my voice can ever carry. I love that. Through dance, I love that, because there's this beautiful difference between us and rocks, or us and trees, or us and cows, or birds, or whales. There's something different. The difference between us and God's creation is one thing, choice. We get to choose to worship. It's actually us and angels. We get to choose what to worship, when to worship, how to worship. Rocks, fish, trees, whales, all those things, they're already in worship. We either join them or it's not happening at all through us. Remember the Bible said a third of the angels dipped out and decided to worship the devil, right? Do you realize that the devil was the worship leader in heaven? Like he was, I don't know if you knew that. The Bible actually says that before he fell, like he was bringing it. Right? And the problem is, is that he was so convincing, he wanted all the glory himself. That's why it's always a tension for us when it comes to worship. To always say, God, but I don't feel it. Or God, I don't, I don't know. God, I want more of this or I want more of that. Sometimes I want to say, there has to be this yellow, this yellow light at the intersection of decision making. When we say, listen, we're not going to push the gas pedal to go harder. We're going to stop and say, God, you got to be the bigger deal, not me. Amen? I love this. John Piper writes about worship, that worship is the valuing or treasuring God above all. Worship is the valuing or treasuring God above all. Literally, the word worship means worth-ship. It means to bring highest value and worth to God. King David writes this in Psalm 34, 3. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name. Worship is simply one thing, bringing, in, bringing our lives to make God bigger. It's, that's what exalt means. Exalt simply means to lift up higher. H- higher than what? Well, higher than ourselves. Higher than our circumstances. Higher than our trials, our joys, our victories. Worship literally means to put him higher than you. But why is that such a difficult issue for us? Because we were created in God's image and we want to be acknowledged as our own, our own feelings and opinions. You know what it's like to go to, like you go, you go to the, uh, 
park or the gym or whatever it is you go with your little kids and you see the little people. Polly and I, like I said a couple weeks ago, broke out of old, old family videos and you hear our kids all the time yelling at the video, look at me, look at me, right? We all want that at some point. It's no different when it comes to worship. We want to say, God, you're awesome, but look at me. <laughs> worship is simply lifting him up. I wrote this down. I think it's really imperative. Worship has a way of getting our minds and hands off ourselves and lifting him higher than our circumstance. Worship has a way of getting our minds and our hands off of ourselves. I think far too often our minds and our hands get so wrapped in our issue, we literally want to say, God, how dare you? But we want to say, God, look at, our, look at me, look at my stuff. A couple days ago, I've been, um, I haven't really shared this with you much, but my best friend in high school, we were actually grade school buddies, uh, Rich, uh, was diagnosed with cancer. And he actually, they told, you know, I was talking to his wife this morning, and she said that they gave him two weeks to live. So uh, my best buddy, and, and, and he and I, uh, we're going to go up there today, and I'm going to love on him again. But I, I can tell you, it's been, it's, been, it's been a difficult season. On one hand, there's a part of me that wants to say, we sat in this room just the other day, and we were just worshiping the Lord. And, and I kind of told them all in the room, there was a handful of us, and I said, Rich is laying right there. I said, let's just worship Jesus. And, and there's this, this big fat question, this big fat elephant in the room. We're going to worship God because, he's, because of that? No, we don't have to worship God because of the trial. We worship God in the midst of the trial. Why? Because it's when we get our hands off of the thing that he gets all the glory. And quite frankly, after we did, everyone felt better. Rich, me, Heather, Polly, everyone else in the room. There's something about that moment. Here's the crazy irony. On one hand, I have Rich that is about to go see Jesus, my best buddy. And my little girl, Mikey, who's about to deliver our first grandchild. She's a few days overdue, so, so it could be any minute, right? She just walked out of the room, so I'm wondering, like, you, you know, are we good? You know, so there's, there's her husband, so we're all right. So, so if she leaves, then uh, hand it off to you, John. It's all you, right? So, so I, I can tell you, I have these two emotional expressions right now that are running around in my head. And I hear the Lord just say, listen, am I still God? Am I still on the throne? I love it and I hate it, and I hate it and I love it. There's times one measures weighs more than the other. But isn't that the tension? I love what worship is. Worship is lifting God higher. Isn't it true? Don't you want a God that's bigger than you? Uh, To me, there's a part of me, the closer I get to God, the bigger he seems. Isn't that what we want? I think far too often we stay at distance from God and then God just seems small. Well, no kidding. Draw nearer to him and lift him and he gets bigger and bigger and your issues become smaller and smaller. I think I'm going to punt on my notes today. Let me tell you a story in the Bible. There's a story of Abraham. Abraham in the Bible, he was what was called the father of the, basically the father of our faith in a lot of ways, Abraham. Abraham had a son named Isaac. Remember the story of Abraham and Isaac? Let me back up a little bit. Abraham was promised long ago that he was going to be the father of many nations. God told him, hey, Abraham, I really like you. Your, your seed or your children or your offspring are going to be so vast. They're going to outnumber the sand on the seashore and the stars of the sky are going to be so, they're going to be about the amount of your kids. I mean, that's a lot of humans, right? Abraham, I'm going to do this through you and your wife, Sarah. And so Abraham said, that's awesome, God, bring it on. Let's do that. And so as Abraham grew, the, you know, 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years of marriage, he gets to, Abraham is now 95 years old and still no baby. 
Well, at least the one that the way God intended it. You see, earlier on, Abraham decided because God wasn't pulling off the plan that he wanted to as fast as he wanted to, Abraham did what you and I would do. Tried his own way, his own way and decided again, his, his wife's concubine, get her pregnant. And he thought that was going to be the way that God would bring the seed into the world. That was not it at all. God was going to use Abraham and Sarah just like he had promised. But he kept on taking his dear sweet time. How many of you understand what it means for God to take his dear sweet time? There's times you're like, God, could you just move her up a little bit, right? Didn't happen. Abraham gets to be, well, 100 years old, has a baby, names him Isaac, the promise. It's through Isaac that the nations are, the you and I today in 2017 are going to be changed because of Isaac. That's the plan, right? God's going to have a son and his, his offspring is going to impact the world, you and me included. Abraham knows that. Here's what I wonder. Thinking about worship, thinking about getting our hands off of our stuff. I think the problem with worship that, that we, we get so myopic about worship and we, we feel like worship comes down to a style. Worship comes down to a tempo. Worship comes down to a volume. Guys, listen, worship comes down to our hearts being unveiled before him. And all too often, our, our, our hearts going unveiled before him because we don't see it our way. So Abraham has this son I mean, when he's 100 and his wife is right near there. And, and, and in that process, these two elderly people have a baby. God says, hey, it's through Isaac you're going to have this, this, this promise is going to be fulfilled. Your offspring is going to outnumber the sand on the seashore and the stars in the sky, Abraham. It's through Isaac. So now Isaac, the Bible says, grows a little bit. It says that actually when, when Isaac is weaned, now we, we think weaned is being weaned from the breast. Literally in the Hebrew, to be weaned could have meant from the breast, but it also could have meant weaned from childhood. So let's assume that Abraham has this son named Isaac, and now he's weaned and he's a teenager. Maybe he's 14, 15, maybe he's 18 years old. The Bible says that God tells Abraham, we don't know why, but God tells Abraham, hey Abraham, take that one son of yours and go sacrifice him on an altar. Now, it doesn't make any sense why God would ask Abraham to do that, does it? Because isn't he the one through whom the sand on the seashore and the stars of the sky are going to have offspring to outnumber? I think it's amazing to me, right? So why in the world does God tell Abraham to go, tell, to go and basically sacrifice his son if he's the one through whom this promise is supposed to come? Great question. I got a funny feeling that Abraham was a lot like you and me. I got a funny feeling that Abraham was, well, just a good dad. Good dads. You know what good dads do? Good dads care about their babies. No matter how old they get, good dads care about their babies. Come on. Especially when you got a baby that God promised something about. And if you're a parent and you breathe and blink, God made a promise about your baby, right? Come on. Don't leave me alone. You get it, right? So God tells Abraham, Isaac, promise. What if, what if Abraham was a dad like me? What if Abraham was a doting dad? I mean, you know what a doting dad is. But what if Abraham was a, a kind of dad that kind of you know, wanted to know that, uh, well, Abraham, Isaac, listen, no, you can't go play with those kids over there because you could, you could trip and fall and break your head open. Don't you realize that there's a promise going to happen through you, son? So no, 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 no. Yeah, but, yeah, but dad, I want to go out and ride the horses with the fellas and go on the cliffs. No, because you what? You might fall off that horse and break your head open the next thing you know. Yeah, but dad, what if I go and spend the night with some people and we'll go out and do whatever? No, 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 because don't you realize, Isaac, it's through you that the promise is supposed to come. See, the Bible doesn't say that, but I wonder if Abraham was just like me. Because I've done that before. I get my hands on something and I hang on to it. And I'm like, ah, God, you can't have this because, because I'm doing a good job keeping this thing together. 
I don't know about you, maybe that's your case. Maybe, maybe you had finances or you had a situation in your life when you feel like you got your hands around it, you can, you can contain it, you have this much money in savings, this much in your 401k, this much in that jar in the backyard, and you're just like, I got it all figured out. And God's saying, hey, 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 get your hands away. Maybe it's the situation between you and a painful situation in your life. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your career. But you keep having your hands around this thing because you know, you know that God gave you a promise and you're going to hang on to it and you're going to do everything you can to make that promise come to fulfillment. See, I think Abraham was a little like us. I think Abraham might have been a little bit, a little bit, a little bit of a doting dad, saying, "No, no, 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 no," no, and wondering all along that God finally just said, "Enough, Abraham, take your son, take take your son, and go sacrifice him on an altar." Now, now, by the way, if God was just going to test Abraham's faith, because that's what his, that's what theologians tell us, he was testing his faith. Here's my question: Why did God tell him to go three days away to a place of worship to do it? See, interestingly enough, God didn't just tell Abraham to go kill his son and then watch all raise him up. Because if that were the case, God would have told him, hey, why don't you go ahead and take care of it today? Here, while we're here. Why would, tell, why would God tell Abraham to take a three-day journey away to Mount Moriah, to the place, by the way, where the temple's built today? But why would he tell him to go do that? You know why? Glad you asked. I think, I think that God needed to bring Abraham to the place of, get this, worship so that he could lay his son on an altar and then take his grubby hands off. Let me say that again. I think God wanted to bring Abraham to the place where he could lay his job, his trial, his struggle, his finances, his career, his dreams, his retirement, and lay it all on the altar and say, you know what God wants us to do is take our grubby hands off. See, worship is when we say, God, I lift you higher than my thing. I lift you higher than my circumstance. I lift you higher than my struggle, my joy, my victory, my issue. Whatever it is, God, I just lift you higher. You know what happens when you begin to worship God in the midst of your thing? You change. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe that's the problem with all of our struggles and trials is we're, we're still allowing them to be, get this, the object of our affection, the object of our attention, the thing that captivates us at every level. Worship is when you say, God, I won't allow that thing to be the object of my affection. I lift my hands to you and you take care of that thing. Abraham takes his son and lays him on an altar. And just about the time he's about to slay his son, God says, stop it now. You've shown me that you'll trust me. You've shown me that you'll worship me. And then the Bible says God provided an av- a, 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 a ram in the thicket so to come over he could sacrifice that and that would be the offering to the Lord. What if there's something God wants to say to you today? This wasn't in my notes, I'm telling you. What if God wants to say something to you today about getting your grubby hands off of your thing? What if God brought you to church today to watch Paradossi come up here and worship with all of their wholehearted bodies and give all of they can to Jesus and then and, 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 and watch you watch it and everything inside of you is like, this just feels so weird. It's just so different. It's so, and then God comes to give you a word this morning and says this, enough is enough. Take your hands off so, so that you can worship me unfiltered. Hmm. Here's what I want to do. I want to take our, just this last few moments together. And, and I believe God has for us a word today. 
I think the word was for us to worship him wholeheartedly. Does it mean we're all going to stand up and start dancing and singing and doing all this stuff? Can I just tell you this? They practice hard to dance like that, right? So, so don't, in Jesus' name, all right? So I won't if you won't, right? So it would be a mess if I tried, all right? So I, I told someone in the first service, I said, listen, um, it's great when someone knows how to play well the thing that God gave them or do well the thing they do. I, I, I'm a carver, I'm a whittler, you know, so I like to whittle. And I notice that when I'm whittling, sometimes I get real quiet. And Polly will say, like, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? And I'm just whittling away, just going for it. And it's amazing to me. I feel like when I'm in that moment, I'm not preaching, I'm not singing, I'm not reading, I'm not leadership materialing, I'm not doing anything. You know what I'm doing? Just whittling. Me and Jesus. And sometimes I feel so close to God in that moment. So then I could start a new theology and just say, hey, everyone, start whittling to worship God. No, man, if you don't know how to carve, then you'll cut yourself. Trust me. I know how, and I still cut myself. <laughs> let's, let's take a minute right now. Can you just take the stuff in your hands, your phone, your Bibles, put them on the ground, or put them on the chair next to you, or your lap, or whatever. I just want to, I, I want to worship Jesus. But before we do that, I want you to get your stuff, your thing, your marriage, your job, your child, your finances. Whatever the thing is in your life, you know what it is. Let's pray. God, this morning we come and we thank you for, thank you for you. Thank you for these, this, these amazing people that would come and show us how to worship a little different. Lord, one of the things I want us to do this morning is what I believe you placed on my heart, which is to worship wholeheartedly. So many come to church this morning with, with, a, with a struggle in their heart. Maybe it's the situation like my friend Rich. God, will you be with him in his room right now? Bring healing to he and Heather. But maybe that thing is on your life. Maybe, maybe there's a, someone you've lost or someone you, you've, you've been close to and it's difficult now. Maybe it's a financial situation. Whatever that thing is that's burdening you, that seems to be becoming the object of your affection. Right now, I want you to take it and place it in both of your hands. Just that thing. Just say, God, I see it. It's right here. It's in both of my hands. I, 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 I look at this thing all day. I, I think about it all the time. I think about how unfair it is that I have to carry this burden. I think about how unjust it is that I have to walk around with this thing, and no one seems to be bothered by it but me. I want you to take that thing and imagine a pile of rocks just right outside of your reach. Not a well-put-together altar, but just a mound of rocks sitting right out in front of you. Maybe it's three feet high. Don't want you to just take that thing and just set it up on top of that altar. Just put it there. It might roll off. It doesn't matter. It's right there on that altar. Just put it right there. Now what I want you to do is take one step back. Just take a step back. And take your eyes off that thing. And begin to just worship God. Lord, this morning we come and we worship you. Tell him you love him. You may not feel it. It doesn't matter if you feel it. Just tell him, God, I love you. Lord, I need you. God, there's no one like you. People let me down. Situations hurt me. It's not fair in life, but God, you are so good. Psalm 42 says, as the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you, O God. Lord, I pray that you fill us this morning with a thirst that could only be quenched by you because you are, you are worthy, God. You are a holy God. 
If you have a prayer language, you know how to speak in tongues, just quietly. Can you say that between you and him right now? God, we worship you. God, you're good. We worship you this morning. We worship you over our country. God, we worship you over our families. Lord, we worship you over this church. God, we worship you and we give you glory because you alone are good, God. Hallelujah, Lord. You're good, God. Jesus' name. Amen. Do you sense the peace that God wants to give you? Some of the struggle with so much of our lives is, remember I told you about worry last week? You know what worry is? Worry is meditation that's ungodly. Right? It's just meditate. You know what meditation is? Meditation is worry in reverse. You just worry the right things a lot, and that's meditation. <laughs> Amen. Hey, one announcement I want to make to you this morning is, uh, we had a prayer meeting at all church every third Wednesday of every month. We have a prayer meeting here at our church. And then uh, this next Friday, we also have our worship night. I decided to to combine the two. So I'm canceling our prayer night on Wednesday night, and I'm going to move it to that worship night. Why? Because I want to I pray and worship together. Uh, here's who I want to show up at that worship night. Well, all of us. <laughs> hey, listen, if you have a struggle in your marriage right now, if you have a struggle in your finances, your kids, your future, what else can I think of? Your sickness, your whatever, whatever you got going on, will you come to that worship night? Why, because it'll make it all better? No, maybe it won't. But it'll get your hands off it for an hour and allow God to be glorified. Amen? And then in the process, he might actually change you. Amen. Awesome. John, come on up. I just want to point out, this is John, our children's pastor. Many of you know it, ironically, which is kind of funny. He preached a few weeks back, and someone came up to me and said, Lance, that was a really great sermon you preached, right? Periodically, I'll preach, and someone will come to him and say, Lance, great sermon, right? We're two different people. Awesomely huge. Yeah, you've now seen us in the same place, so we are, in fact, two people. Two you but together, just... we're like four people. That's true, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry. Nice. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So... Um...